0: We got to
1: talk about that Milwaukee Brewers Cincinnati Reds game last night, because if you didn't stay up, it was a pretty damn good game to watch Brewers. Come back. Get the seven to four victory. Obviously, Josh Hader shuts the door in the ninth inning. It was exciting. I know both of you guys said you stayed up to watch it. Well, at least
2: the uh, the comeback here. I watched yeah. until the top of the eighth because I have so much faith in in the Brewers and how they close games. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's same here. When they took the lead, it turned into, well, we're turning it over to uh, a, a guy whose own media didn't vote for him uh, for Rookie of the Year uh, and Josh Hader. So if they can't do it, um, I'd, I'll just get mad and not be able to sleep. Well, to your
1: guy's <laughs> point, I mean, you're talking about Devin Williams and Josh Hader. That was the eighth and the ninth for the Milwaukee Brewers, and it has been for most of the season. Here's their ERAs: Devin Williams, two point one four; Josh Hader, one point five eight.
3: And that two point one four has only been falling since he started off like yeah, he's been runs.
1: absolutely phenomenal since he came back and was hundred percent healthy. Because you could see at the beginning of the year, Devin Williams wasn't he wasn't right; he mm-hmm. was still coming back and trying to find himself. But yes, he settled in nicely. But the Milwaukee Brewers, they jump out to a one-nothing lead right away and you're like, "Okay, good start, good start." Just because uh the Reds have been a really good hitting team and if you could all of a sudden grab an early lead, hopefully your bullpen and your pitching rotation or your pitching staff can shut them down and you can go on and then there all of a sudden it was the fourth inning. And I think we need to talk about this a little bit because in that fourth inning where the Cincinnati Reds scored their three runs, Corbin Burns, if it was a close strike, could not get a call. Yeah. Corbin Burns could not buy a strike call in that fourth inning if it was a relatively 50-50 pitch. But then at the same time, Tyler Malley was getting like a full baseball length off the outside edge. Am I like the only one that saw that?
2: I, I think you're spot on. I, and, I mean, it's also just been a, a general incompetence across the sport where it, it's not even that you're seeing pitches that are outside of the zone or inside of the zone get called wrong. It's that it's so inconsistent from game to game, from inning to inning, from team to team. Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, we've seen what that. I mean, it was the Red Series before the All Star break. It, it's
2: always been the Reds,
3: <laughs> right? Because it, it yeah, even it was, the one that was back from the All Star Series All Star break, you're still like, it was no, the one before uh, the All
1: Star break where you're like, oh my god, this is some of the worst umpiring I've ever seen. Then they come back from the All Star break. It went uh, both All-Star ways. Break, it wasn't like, and it was one-sided. the same thing.
3: Yeah, it was like this year, the umpires. I feel like they're trying to lose their jobs,
2: and I'm not. And I'm not sitting here. Are we talking about a
1: conspiracy theory here? I'm not sitting here talking about how you know a guy was just consistently not good. I I can I can deal with a guy giving every single pitcher like a a, a complete baseball length off the outside corner because it's consistent, right? I, I'd rather have a guy that is consistent than a guy that is getting everything uh, right on the black or, you know what, I want a consistent zone.
3: Yeah, or having, how about a uh, first or third base ump who doesn't know what a check swing is? <laughs> so you got, hey, I, saw, I can see the end of your bat. Nah, you didn't go.
1: I so Ben, RJ, Ebo, and myself are in a, a Twitter DM group, and RJ was complaining about was it Joey Votto's check swing? Yeah. So funny when I stream the games, half the time I get the opposing team stream. I had the red stream last night. They refused to show a side angle of Joey Votto's check swings. How do you show? How do you have the red on. stream? Uh, it's one of the the dot coms that I use. Like it's just kind of uh, random, whatever stream they have for that uh, game. But it was hilarious because the they were like, "Oop, it was a close one," but they're oh, showing man. like the straight-on angle. So I you're mean, like, I I can't listening
3: tell. to rock. It was hilarious because he's like, I mean, it should have been a called strike no matter what. And he's like, Narvaez just caught it too low, so the um probably didn't call it. But I mean, how are you not how are you checking down and you can't see the end of that bat? I was like, eh, fair my, enough. <laughs> my
1: favorite thing though is a few innings later, I believe it was Rowdy toles came up and they had a check swing on him. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the Reds broadcast found that side angle.
3: Oh, and they're oh. like, yeah, "Oh, that he went. Out. He
1: did go." <laughs> the, per-
3: the producer there yeah. decided, "Go to the side angle."
1: Yeah, it, it, it turns out that they actually do have access <laughs> to that camera. They just only played it when the Brewers were uh, up there questioning check swings.
3: Always blame <laughs> the producers. Always,
2: always blame the producer. It's,
3: it's not it's not your fault. It's the producer's.
2: Fault. Rowdy, we have to talk about. I I don't know another word to to describe this, but exceptional leadoff hitter, Colton Wong.
1: No, Colton Wong,
2: hands down, is having he's a career okay. here. Who is now healthy and raking at the top of the lineup. Two for five last night. He hits the home run. His average is up to 290 on the year. OPS around 830. And he, he's that consistent force at the top of the lineup. Like, I remember watching him back in 2013 when he was super young with the Cardinals when they go to the World Series against the Red Sox. And he was young, but you could tell like there was something there. And then throughout his career, he's he's been up and down. Mm-hmm. But I, I this is the best I've seen him play in yeah. uh, maybe forever.
3: I'm glad it's with the Brewers because if it was with the Cardinals <laughs> again, I'd like pull my hair. Well, out. Well, I hated I him. Really I,
2: I hated him on the Cardinals because oh, the Cardinals uh. are one of the most hateable teams in baseball, no matter where you're from. Yes, well, I mean I, I believe
3: that. They're, well, they're the keepers of the unwritten rules of baseball. Ah. Colton Wong. And maybe that's because of no, no, LaRusso. just, just LaRussa. Yeah.
1: Colton Wong they, is a guy that it. uh he's definitely having a career year. Like we still have <laughs> over a month left to play in this season. He currently is just one home run away from a career high. He's a guy that has career wise been a two sixty ish hitter. He's batting two ninety. And one of the things that also I really do enjoy actually when I talk to you and tell you uh, the fact that I get some of the away streams is hearing some of like the other opinions from opposing teams and it was actually really interesting to hear the St. Louis bro- uh, broadcast when they were playing the Cardinals. They were actually talking a lot about Colton Wong and talking about how he's having this great season and, and being healthy and how kind of like what you said, Ben, as a young player, when he finished up in the top three as a rookie of the year, you could kind of see that he had all the tools to be a great defensive player, to be a guy that could hit for average, get on base, and even provide a little bit of power at the top of the order. And they were saying you could just see a progression with him. And a few years ago, because he was predominantly a guy that pulled the baseball. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they said a few years ago, all of a sudden he made it a thing to want to be able to hit it to all fields and he was working on it and they were like, yeah, three, four years ago, he was kind of starting to do it every once in a while. And then you move to the next year and he was, he did it for like half the season consistently. Well, and then his last year with the Cardinals, he kind of started to really put it together and be able to do it. And now with the, the brewers, he's just completely executed it and he's firing on all cylinders. And I just want to say real quick too, he makes a lot of plays in the field look extremely easy when they're not.
2: Yeah. He's, he's just another David Stern's Midas touch moment. So there's that good that, that he is raking the ball. And, and he's... It's the best Cardinal the
3: Brewers have brought in ever.
2: <laughs> what I are mean, the other the top, notable ones? Jim Edmonds. Jim Edmonds. I mean, Jim oh, Edmonds yeah. was,
3: uh, Jim Edmonds Jeff was pretty... Suban. Jim
4: oh,
1: Edmonds was, was a pretty solid oh, signing yeah. for the advanced age that he was.
3: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I love Jim you, Edmonds. They're, they are at... Yeah, I, I love him too, but right now I'd have to say Colton Wong, probably the best oh, former Cardinal. Off the top the of my head, signed. I think I'd
1: have to go with you, especially when the top of your head is Colton Wong, Jim Edmonds, who is extremely old, and Jeff Supon.
3: And this <laughs> kind of excludes anything prior to me following baseball in the late 80s, early 90s, so I don't know if you know the Brewers signed somebody who was really good back in the day.
1: <laughs> and my cutoff would be roughly 2000, <laughs> so... Go. But, uh, I mean, going back to Colton Wong, it it is impressive what he's doing. And he was a guy that had he not had two IL stints early in the season, he probably is the starter at second base in the All-Star game. And we were were all talking about all summer about how this Milwaukee Brewers team really doesn't have any All-Stars in the field.
2: Like Christian Yelich had been bad. Well, they had a lot of players playing like All-Stars, but the numbers weren't there. Because Adamus was an All-Star player, but his numbers weren't there because he was bad in the beginning of the season in Tampa. Since he's come over, he's hitting 300. I will say, if he were still a Cardinal, those people would have still voted for him.
3: Like, those would have been a write-in votes because he didn't show up on the ballot.
1: Well, (laughs) even, like, the Willie Adamas, he didn't get there until late May. And he was terrible in uh, Tampa With the Rays, like when you're batting below 200 and it's almost been two full months into the big league season, you're not playing very good baseball. He got to Milwaukee and it was a complete 180. He started crushing the baseball. Now, if Willie Adamas had done that and started the year in Milwaukee, I bet he probably is an all-star. Yeah. But they just didn't have any, any one particular player season where it was week day one to all-star break playing for the Brewers, and playing well.
3: Heck, they brought in a sixth all-star.
1: I mean, Omar (laughs) Narvaez ended up making it in as an alternate, but he was a guy that also had multiple IL stints. Mm -hmm. He clearly would have been a top couple catcher if he was
2: healthy the entire season. So, speaking of Adamus, because we just brought him up. So, there's there's that good with Colton Wong that he's killing the baseball, and he's a force at the top of the lineup.
1: Real quick, before you talk about that, we never got to it on Monday, but I just want to say we talk about Colton Wong kind of putting it together, being a cerebral player where he learned that he needed to hit it to all, all uh, fields. He's a guy that has a lot of talent, but then you see a guy like Christian Yelich and the Mike Trouts and the Bryce Harper's of the world that are just overwhelmingly talented. How about Colton Wong just being a smart player? When we were talking about how he tagged up on a foul pop-up and scored, a? a run that was a huge run in that series over the weekend. Like we didn't even talk about that, but he's not only getting the most out of his talent on the field. He's a guy that has a high baseball IQ that a lot of players just don't have.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. So that bad with Adamus, he left last night's game. He's battling a quad issue. Craig council said he will be out of the lineup today. But it does not sound overly serious. So, alarm bells are not going off, but obviously, not great to have a guy who's been playing that well hit the IL.
1: I don't care if it was a mundane game of a 162 game season. That was an exciting win against the team that is trying to catch you in yeah. the uh, NL Central division. And it was a huge win because how much different does that make you feel as a Brewer fan if you had a loss game one? And now all of a sudden that lead is six and a half games. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, great. Now the Brewers have to win two straight against a good Cincinnati Reds team. And not only would they have to win two straight, but uh, th- the Reds have improved. I mean, the Reds mash the baseball.
3: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not like they're just hitting home runs and phoning in the season. Uh, but, I mean, like, like you guys said earlier, they have improved their bullpen. But still, that is the weak point of their team.
1: And that's why you hang around and watch the game. And you know what my favorite part actually was of that game last night? Was the not the fact that the Brewers just came back and won the game. It was the fact that they came back and won the game against the good arms in that Cincinnati bullpen and yeah. that revamped Cincinnati bullpen. We first, talked about
2: it. It was the first runs Michael Lorenzen has given up all year. And their bullpen band-aid, Michael Gibbons, who has been good. He was the one who gave up the go-ahead hit.
1: Well, that was the thing. Like Lorenzen's ERA, after giving up four runs in just a third of an inning, Mm -hmm. is still under three. And we talked about how he was one of the key pieces. We talked about how, well, like Ben just said, Michael Givens was one of the guys that they traded for. They also brought in Luis Cisa. Those are three guys, Lorenzen getting healthy, Givens by trade, Cisa by trade, all of them got hit pretty hard. And yeah. then they even brought in one of their guys that was a piece from the bullpen for the last couple of years in, in Amir Garrett, who's thrown the ball well. But they used up four of some of their top arms yesterday in a loss. Right. Going forward, do you really think you're going to see many of these guys be available for tomorrow? Or for tonight, I guess? Maybe. Yeah. But maybe not.
3: Uh, most likely not.
1: And if they're not available for tonight... We're talking about that crappy, crappy Cincinnati bullpen
2: again, Mm -hmm.
1: but uh, we're going to have Ben play here. Craig council's comments
2: on the Willie Adamas injury. So the, 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 phone lines are, are up. We'll get to the phone calls in a minute. I promise this audio, I was able to find it. Here's Craig council last night on pulling Willie Adamas from the game.
0: So, you know, you get, doesn't
2: matter when you score
5: can you tell us what happened with Willie and uh, what it's looking like as far as seriousness? Yeah, Willie's been battling a, uh, the, the quad for uh, really since St. Louis.
0: Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's been playable, and um, it's, it's, you know, it's not serious, but it's enough where it's just coming up every day where it's just, it's just an issue every day. And so... We were hopeful that the off day would uh, quiet it down. And, you know, after his first step bat, and he, he really didn't even have to run that hard in the first step bat, he, it just, he felt it a little bit. And so we're just going to be cautious with him and we got him out of there and um, uh, he, he won't be in the lineup tomorrow um,
2: and we'll, we'll try to quiet it down. Um. All right. I like, I I'm not overly concerned by that. It's obviously not great. It's also a situation where the earlier the brewers clinch, gives them more time to maybe rest a guy like that to get that quad, as they say, quieted down before the playoffs.
1: Well, and also it's something that he had been dealing with for a couple of weeks. So obviously it's nothing too major or else they would have sat him down right away and put him on the IL. And another thing that, I don't think has really been talked about a ton. Willie Adamas has played a ton of games at shortstop this year. Mm -hmm. Like since acquiring him in late May, he has been out there almost every single game.
3: Yeah. I mean, what I think since coming over 84 games or so he's played. It's Um, been a
1: ton. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but there's only been very few times where we've actually seen Luis Arias fill in at shortstop. Right.
3: And, and I guess the good news is you're, with the way the team's set up right now, you're afforded that luxury of bringing in uh, who they bring in to play third. Uh, Chase Peter- Peterson. Peterson put it third, and he's he's does all right there. You move Urias over to uh, short. short, and yeah, I mean you're when you're missing some, but it's not like it's a huge drop off.
1: The thing with Adamus and Urias. They have such great gloves. Mm-hmm. The only times we've seen them struggle in the field is when they throw the ball to first base.
3: He's played 81 games as a Brewer. Mm-hmm. And which
1: is a ton Yeah, since he got here in late May. Yeah, But uh, going back to Arias and, and uh, Adamas, them defensively in the field, glove-wise are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You don't see many balls get past those guys. No. M- the majority of their errors are throwing the baseball. Well, For Arias, we it's know like it's... like the
3: liner yesterday. <laughs> Arias, just, whoa.
1: <laughs> Arias, we know Arias throwing the baseball. He's always a guy that is air mailing it. We know when Adamus <laughs> has a bad throw, it's normally in the dirt. Yeah. Now... Granted, especially Combine from
3: Ad- and you get perfect <laughs> throws every time. And
1: especially from Adamus, it's not like we've seen it as much as we've seen it from Arias. But Glove Hand, they're phenomenal. But let's go to the phone 608 321 1670.
6: Who do we got? Corey you doing? Did you say,
1: Corey. is this Corey? Yep, how are you doing? Good, how are you?
5: Not too bad. You guys are doing a great job filling in this week. I've been enjoying it.
2: Thank you, Corey. Um, yeah, no problem.
5: Well, i tell you, one of the best feelings is going to sleep at night and just kind of hoping that they pull it out at the end and saying, well, maybe I just got to turn this off and you wake up in the morning and they win. So that was a nice little surprise this morning. (laughs) I get up and I was like, oh, hey, they pulled it out. So that's a good thing to see. Back to
0: the brewers. Uh, Hopefully those
5: guys that uh, are feeling a little bit under the weather here with their hammies and stuff and quads and everything can kind of. Get those rested up. Do you think maybe this weekend at uh, Minnesota, Donis comes back and maybe does a little DHing first, Rowdy, and then go from there? Yeah I, I, yeah.
1: I think they'll be a little bit more cautious than normal just because it was something that had been uh, kind of uh, bugging them for the last couple of yeah. weeks. But I think the big thing to say why they'll be cautious is because last night was the start of 16 games in yeah, 16 days. I so I think yeah. even if they put him on the 10-day aisle, which I, I don't think they're going to do, I think it's just them being safe.
5: And he pretty much played every game since he came on the team. I I can't have a day off at all.
1: I don't think I can come up with five games where he wasn't
2: starting.
5: That's a lot of work on them legs, especially when it's that hot outside. So,
2: well. And when you look at it, it, the Brewers tried to, I mean, excuse me, the Reds tried to fix a gunshot wound with a couple band-aids in their bullpen, and they suck, and they're about to be dead in the division, (laughs) so why not be cautious? Steve,
1: welcome into Over the Line.
5: Hey, good morning, guys. morning. Morning. What's going on, Steve? Hey, enjoyed listening this week. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you. Thanks, appreciate it. Uh, to continue the the Brewers' role here, and I've enjoyed the conversation. It is. I was thinking it, it's crazy how a player can go from struggling with one one team gets traded and then excels with a new team.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, th- there are a couple of denominators there. One is Andy Haynes, who has done a remarkable job with pretty much everybody this year. Two, in terms of Adamus, I Tropicana Field is also just a dump. And, 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 and then you get to Amfam field it's like the four seasons yeah well you know you got you got you,
5: you got hunter Strickland
2: too yeah. who
5: I, I when they picked him up I thought well, well what is he gonna do well look how key he's been
2: yeah well he's and gonna even, fight Bryce Harper
5: <laughs> Rowdy Telez, too um who you know he, he's so valuable one thing you know I like Escobar but he, he can't play first base Um no. That play, that pick that Tolez made last night on that throw, I think it was Devin Williams. Yeah. Who, you skip that one to him, that's really harder than it looks. Those guys that can play first base make it look a lot easier than it really is. And those are the kind of defensive plays that can really save save ball games. So um I, I imagine they're not really too eager to to um, get rid of Vogelback because they may need somebody that can really defensively uh, play play first base so any rate Steve um, isn't
1: it incredible how we know that the Brewers being a small market team they don't they obviously can't spend as much money as a team like the Yankees or the Red Sox but when David Stearns hits on his offseason pickups everything they, they can just be one of the better teams in the league and when he doesn't we get something like 2020.
5: Well, yeah, exactly. I couldn't. I couldn't put it better. And, and you know, it, it's got to be uplifting to come to an environment. All oh, what I hear, the clubhouse in Milwaukee is great. You, you go from. A dead end team like the Blue Jays. I think where Teles comes. All of a sudden, you're in a an atmosphere like the Brewers, and and it's got to pick you up and bring out the best in you too. You think, but uh,
1: I think that's a cool thing too about Milwaukee being a small market, but yet having like an awesome, dedicated fan base. All these guys, year after year after year, whether we go back to from what I can remember, like CC Sabathia coming here, even though it was for three months, or Rowdy Teles now in 2021. All of them say they love the city, the fans love them and it's it makes them play better. It feels like home.
2: Well, I'll tell you, Telez is also, he loves it cuz he gets at bats. And, and and he said that as soon as he got here cuz when he was in Toronto, he was struggling to even get at bats and it's so hard to find a rhythm when you can't do that. Now that he gets to Milwaukee, he's more of a regular and he finds that hot streak and that rhythm. So yeah, it's it's just a perfect storm for everybody.
5: Yeah. Hey, one topic I want to uh, bring up regarding the Brewers is is this idea that the Bucks used a load management. You know, they spent a couple seasons chasing the best record in the league, only to burn out in the playoffs. This year, they made more of an effort to rest their players so that they could perhaps win a, a championship, which is what they did. How do we do that with our pitchers? I mean, I see Corbin Burns. I see you know what he's going today. I, those guys aren't at the top of their game right now. It looks like the season starting to catch up with them, how, you know, we got enough of the lead. How can we, how can we get them on their A game as as we enter the playoffs?
1: Well, I think they're going about it the right way. And I, I, lo- I love the fact that they kind of switched it up. Cause we've seen since 2018 and 19 Craig council and David Stearns, it almost seemed like they, they would rather go to the bullpen early. I actually really like their idea of the six man rotation that they've had not necessarily that you're taking out your starters uh, early as they had in 18 and 19. Now we've seen some quick hooks this year, no doubt, but it's that extra day off of rest. I think they'll continue to do that. And maybe you'll see where they just have them go, you know, it, five, six innings here, especially down the stretch with the type of lead. But I think a guy like Aaron Ashby and Brent Suter will become uh, guys that are more important because they can log multiple innings. They can give you spot starts and just in general, it's it's we're just starting to get past like those dog days of uh, summer. A lot of the rotations are starting to feel that late late innings, late season where they'll need a, a little bit of a breath here. It's it's not necessarily just the Brewers, but uh, yeah, it's it's hard to be as good as Peralta, Woodruff, and Burns have been all year. That's why. Uh, not many guys are like them, and in the uh, Cy Young hunt, like this.
2: Yeah, and and in baseball, you also need that consistent rhythm because unlike basketball, where you could take games off and still be able to shoot well and play well, it, when you're a pitcher in baseball, you miss a couple starts. Like like you might lose that rhythm you have. So the six man rotation, giving them that extra day, that's that's been huge. And and it's really about health more than anything because there's st- like it's it's baseball that. Corbin Burns is going to have an outing like that every now and again, very rarely. But having him have that extra rest and that rhythm, I mean, he like he he'll still be locked in as long as he's healthy.
5: Yeah, we get and we got Lauer and Hauser. We got to get them back in the group here too. So they'll get, I'm sure they'll they'll eat up some eat up some innings for him too. Um, hey, is there is this September one call up rule like the they used to have? Is that gone now?
1: Yeah, it's gone. There's now it's, it's not forty man right? roster. Yeah, you get two additional roster spots, and you can uh, spend them however you'd like them. Either two pitchers, two infielders, or one and one.
0: Big
1: news dropping yesterday that coach Mike Budenholzer signs a 3-year extension with the Milwaukee Bucks. Now he will be the Bucks head coach through the 2024-2025 season. Ben, what are your thoughts on this?
2: It makes sense and it was due after they won and I we we touched on it earlier, but there's obviously the large group of people that are doubting him and i think all of their doubts were answered when the Bucs won but still they doubted him up until really they won the finals so i i am i am happy for coach bud i'm happy for the bucks it makes total sense but at, at the same time like this is still a move where there's still people on one side of the fence saying you know what it wasn't even him
1: <laughs> so okay i was i was one of the people that said you know what Mike Budenholzer has been a coach when he was in Atlanta. They could never get over that hump and make it to a NBA finals and win a championship. He continued to be like the guy that always finished in second. And as a Bucs coach in 2000 and what was that? 2018, 19 season. That was when they had the up games to none against the Toronto Raptors and losing four straight. Then all of a sudden the following season, they were the best team in the NBA in the regular season. And You get bounced by the Miami Heat in the semifinals in the bubble. And again, they were one of the better teams in the East this year. You're like, they have to put it together here soon. Or again, this is just this narrative of Mike Budenholzer being a guy that always finishes in second. He's not the guy that can bring you across the finish line. And I 100% believed in that. Because we we hadn't seen it. All we had seen were good Milwaukee Bucks teams the last three, four years, and all they ever did was underperform or find ways uh, for an, an earlier exit than most fans were happy with. And... I thought going into that series, obviously they were going to beat a shorthanded Miami team that was nowhere nowhere near the same team that they were the year prior when they took the Bucks out, and I think it was also pretty noted that the Bucs were a better team, especially at the top of their rotation this year than they were the year before. But that net series, if they had lost that net series, I still would have understood retaining Coach Bud because the and the reason being was. I thought that that Nets team was probably by far the best team in the East. I know your I know your 76ers were officially
2: the one seed. They were fundamentally flawed though. And they, and that became yeah. adamantly clear. And
1: you could see that in in my opinion the best two teams in the East were the Nets and the Bucks in that order. Yes. And I think it wasn't even really that close, but it was the Nets and the Bucks and then everybody else. And when you see the injuries that were Unfortunately, the Brooklyn Nets had to suffer with Kyrie Irving missing half of the series, James Harden being out or just being a shell of himself. And it was basically KD and also not to mention you had some players for the Nets play well below what they normally do. Like the Bucs still had to win that series. I give them all the credit in the world. I actually would have understood had they have lost that series to the Nets to keep him around just because, in my opinion, the Nets were better than the Bucs. Well, they get past that series. But if they would have lost to the Hawks, because I think at first little people were uh, people were uneasy because the Hawks were giving the Bucks a tough go around. Then you had the Trey Young injury, and a lot of people are going to use that as an excuse. But he did come back and play, and the Bucs took care of business had they have lost to the Atlanta Hawks or have been swept even in the NBA Finals, I think there really was some standing on potentially moving on from Coach Bud. But at this point, I don't know how you can move on from a guy that just won a championship for you.
2: Well, you can't, and and yeah, I'm I'm with you that in the I mean even in the Nets series, and then you go to the Hawks and maybe the Suns. If if the Bucks had come out flat and lost there would have been real questions. Now, a testament to how great Coach Bud was the entire postseason is that you saw the team get better the more they played, especially when you go into series, and they started pretty slow each series. They beat the Heat on the buzzer beater game one, and then they roll through them. But the Nets, they start slow. They go down 0-2. And, and everyone's doubting whether they'll even compete, then they obviously go on to win in seven. The Hawks, they lose game one, and it looks like it's going to be a series. Then the Bucks won. The Suns, they go down 0-2, and then you see the adjustments happen throughout the series, both on defense, on offense, and even game to game. I remember a lot of first quarters where they would come out and just be firing threes, which made no sense when you had one of the best inside presences to ever play basketball in Giannis. Let him attack, let the offense run through him. You saw the approach, even quarter to quarter, game to game, just get better. So I think at the end of the day, looking back, he obviously did a remarkable job coaching the team, but there were real questions had they had lost in, in some of those series, I agree with you.
1: Do you think I'm off a little bit that I don't know if I would have given him an extension, though?
2: Uh, yes, I do. Because,
1: because, I mean, he's still going to be there. He was still under contract for the next couple seasons.
2: I know, but when you win a championship, uh, especially with a star in Gian- like, there's no way you move on from him in the next couple years until your team falls off a cliff, especially with Giannis there. Because we know how much Giannis wanted Jason Kidd to stay. Like and then you win. I I think sending this message by extending Bud is is only positive and it was the right move. I would have given him this extension hundred percent.
1: See, I'm 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 a little on the fence with it just because. Well, for, you're still not a Bud guy. I the reason why I'm on the fence with it is because we know that I I think even Bucks fans like you can celebrate the championship. They won it for sure. They got it done against the Nets. Do you think they beat the nets if the nets were healthy?
2: Well, I don't know, honestly. And like that's a that's I think that's an unfair question. Do you think they would
1: have beaten some of the particular teams out of the West if they didn't have decent matchups like they did against
2: the Suns? It doesn't matter. They did. He did everything he needed now, granted, to do. That's what I'm saying. That's
1: what I'm saying is they got it done, but they had a lot of things fall into place, and that's what it takes to win a championship. Well, I I don't know if we're going to see the Milwaukee Bucks consistently be in the hunt for NBA Finals. I think they're consistently going to be a really good team because, well, one, they have one of the better players in the NBA, and Giannis, and he just transcended his game in those in the playoffs, especially starting with that end of that Nets series. I just, I just don't know if uh, Coach Bud in really has. If I would have inked him up for three more years, I mean, you still had him for two.
2: But if they had lost to a fully healthy Nets. I wouldn't really have pointed at Bud as much. I maybe would have pointed at the fact that the Nets are just crazy healthy and the Bucs objectively didn't have the star power that they did. So it, like, it's totally situation dependent. And you look at the situation that happened, and it was Bud leading the guys there and making every right adjustment along the way. So even if they had lost some of those series, there could have been a, a different reason behind that aside from the coach because at the end of the day, it is the players on the court that are playing.
1: It is, but also you even said it, you talked about how there were some games that the Milwaukee Bucks came out and just looked terrible because they obviously had uh, mismatches, whether it was down low or wherever, and they came out just shooting threes and playing very undisciplined basketball. I think there's a point of that, uh, a part of that goes to the coach saying, hey, we're not chucking up threes here, let's go inside, or we're not doing this today, we're going to do that. You know what I mean? Like, that still falls on him a little bit, and we know that Mike Budenholzer has always been a, we're going to do what we're good at. We're not necessarily going to make adjustments. Now, I will say down the stretch, later in that uh, postseason, Bud made a lot of adjustments, and they worked. There was a lot of times, uh, especially in the early postseason or in past postseasons, where Mike Budenholzer really never made any adjustments, and they just kind of went down with the ship. It's true,
2: and and this is all hindsight, but... I like I don't know when I look like you at you can't
1: move on from them. There's no. no way you're moving on from them or or saying oh we're gonna find a coach
2: just after winning. I just don't know if I would have given out the extension. There's I well there's also the age old question. I I think you had to give the extension. There's the age-old question of you let him stay around. Let's say they don't win championships in the next couple years. Like That's still a coach you want coaching that team after what happened because A, probably not a better option out there on the open market, and B, it would just ruin the camaraderie and the chemistry in the team by letting go of a coach just because after they won, they didn't do it again for another couple years. And this is different than other sports because you look at football, and, and I'll bring up the Eagles for a second, Doug Peterson got fired just a couple years after a Super Bowl, but there were so many other crazy factors at play, and that organization is was just a disaster for a couple years. This is different. This is just the Bucs got over the hump. They won. There's no way you would come close to bringing in another guy until you are forced to do so by really poor play.
1: See, I just think that if you would have kept Bud under contract and you would have had two more seasons... You know how much different this Bucks team could look in 3 years? There's not very many players that are still going to be under contract for the Milwaukee Bucks after these next 2 seasons. The only guys that are currently under solid contracts past 2 years from now, it's Giannis, it's Drew Holiday, and that's it.
2: Well, all right, so they- I
1: guess Chris Middleton does have a a player option and it's for almost 43 million dollars. So I, or,
2: I think he's going to take I, that it's, one.
1: It's going to be hard for him to turn it down. But even if you say, okay, Chris Middleton is going to pick up that option. That's still after those two years with bud, you only have Giannis Middleton and holiday under contract. Everyone else's contract will be up by then. This roster could look completely different than those top three guys. And maybe uh, if you played out these last two years and they didn't go the way that you wanted. You get some new blood in there. You get a new coach, you get a new voice. I don't know. I just think uh, at this point with some of the failures that we've seen, or I don't want to necessarily, I shouldn't say failures, but coming up short, I I just don't I think I would have held off on the extension.
2: No, uh, you're no, you're being totally crazy. Look at the Dallas Mavericks. They win a championship in I twenty eleven, I believe the exact year was with Dirk when they beat the Heat. Rick Carlisle was their coach up until literally last season. And even though they didn't go back and they didn't win. Yeah, I was going to say, how many did they win since? No, but I'm saying that he was still the coach on their team for another decade because of what he did to to win them the championship and because of like how the team was still good, they were just losing to really great teams. Then obviously the Mavs lost all the talent. Rick Carlisle was still the best option. There is not going to be a better coach to coach this team than Coach Bud. And if you let him go in two years, then you're just starting over and you're screwed. Who else is going to come in and lead them to a championship? Hey, now you you might say that there
1: might not be a better option out there, but uh, in Giannis's mind, there wasn't a better option out there than Jason Kidd at the time. Why? Well, understand? And they pulled but the trigger on that, Jason Kidd, obviously, that
2: was one of the that was one of the guy was Kidd there when, when Giannis first started, or it was in the beginning of his career. Yeah, he was he was there when Giannis was extremely young. So that was the guy that that was developing him from the start. Giannis and, said he would do anything to keep Jason Kidd. I know, and that is uh, that is an extreme situation that is not common, but that is also Giannis didn't know any other coaches. This is his first time in the NBA, and there's one guy that's been there and had his back. Now, like you, you won a freaking championship. There's no way you can't extend the coach and think that for the next however many years that Giannis and Holiday and Middleton are together, that Bud is the best guy to bring the best out of him. I'm just saying, if I have
1: insurance of two years where I can sit and continue to examine what's going on with the head coach, I think I'm not too, hes- I'm, I'm not too uh, going to rush out there and all of a sudden just give him an extension. Yeah. They won a championship, but we've seen the, uh, what was it? The Toronto Raptors. They were extremely good under Dwayne Casey and they go, eh, we don't necessarily like, and but they, they were- didn't win. They didn't win. No, but they were continuing to get better and better. And you're like, okay, well maybe the next year when you, we bring in Kawhi Leonard, we're going to finally win a championship. But they here. didn't
2: win. They still got rid of Wait, him. Wait, so in two years, let's say the Bucks lose in the second round of the playoffs twice. You want Bud gone? It's something that you'd have to look into. I, I think that is absolutely insane. You're going to
1: have a completely different roster in three years, and if you underwhelmingly didn't re- uh, reach expectations two straight years... Something you'd have to look into.
2: I, I I think that is totally crazy. You still have Giannis,
1: you have still one of the best players. A lot of the times maybe it is just a new voice that you would need at that point. Now this is all hypothetical. We're talking about a team that's coming off of an NBA championship.
2: Yeah, and it what's well, hypothetical that I don't think is fair having after what Bud was able to do. Dave from Manone What's up,
6: Dave? Oh my god. For for one of the few times Nelson makes sense. Okay, to address your food question. I mean, Chipotle. What? If you can't speak English, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not eating at your restaurant. They can speak. Wait, what? What is that? If you can't, if you can't speak English, I'm not going to a drive-through. Uh, Chick-fil-A overrated. and It's rotten. I hope you realize Culver's is a, is a state of Wisconsin icon, Ben, and everything made there is made to order. I know it's a hard concept for your generation, <laughs> but every time you order something, it's made to order. No other restaurant can can can, can you know can do that. So I'm not sure why you would be against Culver's because everything here is fresh. I'm not you against
2: know? it. I said it is. I am not a Culver's guy. I am not the oh. biggest fan. Nelson has never eaten Chick-fil-A or Chipotle. I think that's more insane. No, I, I've been there
6: once, Nelson Nelson. You're not missing anything at Chick-fil-A. It's overrated. It's burnt. It's, it's expensive. Like I said, Chipotle, <laughs> if they can't speak English, I'm not eating it. But They, uh, they speak English. What is this? Chipotle. Post effect, post the effect, they they killed how many thousands of people across the country, and they're still in business.
2: <laughs> All right, Dave. How do you feel about Coach Bud? He anyway. said Nelson makes sense. I yeah, think well, he's for, insane.
6: No, Nelson makes Nelson makes people accountable. He has he has two years. <laughs> he has two years on his contract. Oh yeah, he has, he, has ben, he has Ben's generation. We have one good year. Let's give him a three year reward. No, Dave, they stunk. won. He stunk. He stunk. Up until this year, hey, take away two rolled ankles and a hamstring and the fact that KD has a fat foot by one inch, that team doesn't win. Dave, but they won. By by the way, what what does Giannis do at a a baseball game? Michael Jordan didn't take time out. He had his ass in a gym every single day. Michael Jordan took two years off and went and played baseball. But he won What is that? six championships. Giannis won one, got fat and happy. Now he's making babies instead of making free throws.
2: <laughs> Dave, I like I I don't see your point here. The guy wins well, of course NBA. You don't. Every single person in the NBA takes a little bit of time off. No, they don't. Giannis no. is working. No, champion Michael Jordan did not take. I'll say it two, one he year. He literally took time one off to year. play
6: baseball. Three consecutive championships. What did Jordan do after the? Well,
1: he's the, final the best game basketball season?
6: player of all time. Isn't that what
1: Giannis is trying to do, though?
2: Are you are are, are you seriously crapping on Giannis because he went to a baseball game for a team he now owns?
1: I think Dave pipe-bombed us.
2: Dave, you there? <laughs> I think he pipe-bombed I mean, us. All right, all right. I have, I have had a lot. I've, I've seen a lot of well, Dave I'm from gonna, calls. I'm not coming off at Giannis for going to a baseball game like Dave. That is the stupidest take I think I've ever heard. He went to a baseball game. He said, Michael Jordan never took time off to go to a baseball game. He took time off to go play baseball. And uh, holding people accountable, it's like, yeah, Bud was being held accountable. If the Bucks had flamed out and failed again, then you could have asked questions. But they won. We're going to go back to the phones We're going here. back to the phones.
1: 321-1670. Who do we got? Welcome to Over the Line. Who do we got?
6: No, I didn't play. No, I didn't play it, Bob, You guys. Oh,
1: oh. So Ben just hung up on you? No.
6: Yeah, Ben. Ben was really trying to silence your it.
1: transmission.
6: Of course, because he doesn't want to make anybody accountable. Ben, here's the thing: if you have a good year, you, yes, give him a one-year extension because you can't have a lame duck. But three years, because uh, Booty finally had one good year based on two rolled ankles, a fat foot, and, and a torn hamstring. I mean, prior to this year, what has he done? Nothing. And you got a superstar who rather make babies than make you know, be out practicing every day.
2: <laughs> I mean, I like I'm uh, I'm not even gonna come back against the take. He you probably can't. is practicing. He probably is practicing during the day, but he he's not just posting every video on social media like Ben Simmons. Michael Jordan three consecutive years. I twice. mean, That's stop with the Michael workout. Jordan. He he literally left the sport to play baseball. It doesn't matter. Yes, but it he came, does. But he came back and won
6: three more. Okay, I know it's hard for you to comprehend. Triple crowned
2: twice. I understand. Jonathan. He is the greatest basketball player of all time. Giannis it's just won ethic. a championship. Giannis work is ethic. young. Work ethic. Why That's are you right. doubting Giannis's work ethic? Also, have also. you seen? Wait, have you seen where Giannis has come since he entered the NBA? I don't he has one of the
6: best work ethics in the league. Oh, who cares where he came from? They won a championship. Now win it this year. If okay, what happens if they get beat in round one this year?
2: Coach, You're stuck with a coach for four more years. If they lose in round one, it will not be Coach Bud's fault. Yes. Oh, my God. He showed you everything you need to know about whether he is a championship caliber coach. Whose fault would it be
1: if they lose in round one?
2: Yeah. Probably the players for not showing up against a crap team they're going to play.
6: No, because next year you're not going to have two rolled ankles, a hamstring, and a fat foot by KD. All
2: right, Dave. (laughs) Hey, our, our,
6: our, our, our,
1: our calls are, okay, are blowing you're, up. You're, real quick, though, to Dave's point, you we know that NBA is a player-driven league, correct? Yes. Do you really have to be the greatest coach to win an NBA championship? No, but you have to put your players in the best position Tyrone, to succeed, and that's what he did. Tyron Lou has rings because he had LeBron. Exactly. Like, we could have rings if we were coaching LeBron's team. Probably. Probably. At this point, Giannis is clearly one of the top five uh, basketball players in the league right now. And I think you could even I would argue, argue top higher. Three. I would argue higher, yes. And he completely transcended since the second half of that Brooklyn Nets series. And the fact that Coach Bud has basically been pretty much an underperformer his entire career with teams that were supposed to be better than what I mean, they were. Uh, he right, finally right. got one done, and Dave's not wrong, and there was a lot of injuries to the Nets. You had Trey Young get injured. I still think they beat the Hawks, but they had to. They were the better team. I just don't get why you all of a sudden have to give an extension when the guy still has two more years left on his contract. When
2: you go back to Bud's days with the Hawks, he actually overachieved. If you look at that team, they had a bunch of all-stars, but you're talking about Al Horford, Paul Millsap, Kyle Corvin and freaking Jeff Teague. Like, we're not talking about a team with any MVP candidates, and he brought them to the number one seed and the Eastern Conference Finals. I would argue he overperformed. There was no way they were beating LeBron's Cavs. No one in the East beat LeBron's Cavs for a decade. Uh, Weren't they the number one seed? Multiple times? Once. They were the number one seed once in 2016, and they lost to LeBron's Cavs because nobody in the East beat LeBron for a decade. Wouldn't your
1: expectations as Hawk fans to be, hey, we're going to win the East as we're the one seed, we were the best team?
2: Like, yeah, but I'm not faulting Coach Bud because LeBron is LeBron. And now he wins a championship, and everyone is suddenly back on the train of, oh, yeah, but now it wasn't him. When they lose, it's him, but when they win, it isn't.
1: This is all hypothetical,
2: but if Bud's going to start
1: whining because he doesn't have... No, 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 no. I do not have a three-year extension. No, I
2: don't think it was whining. He's talking about you enter the year, the players wonder, why isn't our guy extended? He wonders, why am I extended? He's
1: under contract for two more years. No, I know.
2: I don't think that he would have actually gotten mad about not getting extended, but I do think the point there is that the players could have been like, why isn't our guy extended? He just brought us to a chip. It's, it's Bud- about more than just what he does in the first quarter to go
1: down that road to start whining and say, why am I not extended? I just won a championship. Why am I not extended? You know who people are going to start comparing him to? Well, I no, I don't think he was going to go down that road. You know, he's going to start getting compared to who Aaron Rodgers, the guy that was worried about being a lame duck, not being extended while he was under contract for three years. And we all know that he was a guy that a lot of people see. This is Aaron Rodgers hasn't lived up or won the championships when they should have.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm and, with you. I and, just and I think personally the
1: Milwaukee Bucks they I was back in 2018-19 season where they lost to Toronto. I said that Toronto would win that series. Got a lot of heat on these airways for it. I still think the Bucks had they had they of I guess, made some adjustments, should have won that series because they they had a better team. Kawhi Leonard was just better than Giannis back then, and they didn't make adjustments. Now we'll have to see how it plays out, but I still wouldn't have given the extension. So we knew that the uh, Green Bay Packers had to be down to 80 players by 3 p.m. yesterday. We had already heard about how... Uh, Of course, they had cut some players that a a lot of people really had never heard of, like Daniel Crawford was one of the guys mentioned. Uh, There were whispers that they had cut Kamal Martin that I guess weren't officially official until yesterday but their final moves to get down to that 80 players were they cut Daniel Crawford the guy that was about 6th or 7th on their list at the tight end position they put a uh, safety and utility guy in that uh defensive backfield for the packers Will Redmond on injured reserve they did trade Kadar Hallman away for uh, a seventh round pick to the Houston Texans And then they did officially release Kamal Martin and Josh Avery. I mean, outside of these moves, there's not one where you're completely upset about it. I mean, I guess there are some people that go, why did they cut Kamal Martin, a guy they uh, used a fifth round pick on last year. He's shown flashes in camp. He also showed a few flashes early last year, but overall was so-so or underwhelming. Um I don't think there's anyone that's really shocked with any of these moves.
2: No, not at all. And, and we touched on why Kamal Martin, although he in theory had a higher profile than some of the others, the indications were there with the Packers trying him at outside linebacker and him never really fitting in their inside linebacker rotation. Uh, and, and then the trade, which in essence, they obviously brought in uh, Yadam earlier for Josh Jackson, but that trade for a Hallman, when you look at it, they in essence traded a seventh Or yeah, say that corner, excuse me, they traded that cornerback for Randall Cobb because the, the draft picks were very equitable. So at the end of the day, I mean, you're, you're happy with that swap.
1: Yeah. You look at it and Daniel Crawford, like we said, that was like the sixth or seventh tight end in camp for green Bay. So it's not like a guy that anyone was really expecting to make the roster. Uh, The Hallman trade obviously opened up a spot since the draft pick is obviously for the following year and Kamal Martin and Josh Avery. Kamal Martin was a guy that all of a sudden you looked around and he at best was being used as a rotational outside linebacker or that third inside linebacker. Us being Packer fans, we know that the Packers haven't put much emphasis at that inside linebacker position for years now. And then they bring in that Devondre Campbell. He was turning heads in practice. He was a guy that uh, was definitely outperforming Kamal Martin. And then we know Chris Barnes. Chris Barnes was a guy that was brought in as an undrafted free agent last year and 100% outplayed Kamal Martin last year and was looking better at practice. I mean, that just makes uh, more sense. And... I like that we talked a little bit about this with our Packer reporter, Mike Clemens, but I like that Goody's not afraid to pull the trigger on when he's wrong, he's wrong, especially if it's a fifth round pick where sometimes fifth round picks don't even make the team. But I think that final name that we uh, uh, talked about, Josh Avery, defensive lineman, I think we just see that. This defensive line has all of a sudden gotten a little bit deeper and I'm pleasantly surprised at how well a lot of these guys have played. We talked about uh, Heflin last year or uh, yesterday. Obviously, Kiki is still there. You still have uh, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Ryan Lancaster. A lot of these guys Josh Avery just wasn't going to cut it. And then the Will Redmond thing, you can't really do much about when a guy comes down with a bad foot injury and you got to place him on uh, the injured reserve. If anything, it just uh, bought Goody an extra time to look at another young player.
2: Yep. Yeah. And speaking of a a former high draft pick, uh, this is what I wanted to touch on because yeah, Kamal Martin was the biggest of those cuts. And we touched on that yesterday, but Kevin King yesterday, Rowdy went to the podium and he, for the first time since his gaffe in the NFC championship game. And he talked about he, I, I guess the the question talked about Matt LaFleur talking about how this, the touchdown to Scotty Miller was due to a miscommunication between LaFleur and Mike Pettin. So a reporter asked King what he thought of LaFleur saying that previously. And this is what Kevin King said.
4: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm... I, I don't know the confusion between Pet and Matt, you know what I'm saying? So I, I really couldn't speak too much further on that, um, you know, specifically. Um, but yeah, no, but just, you know, just certain certain situations, you know, where uh, kind of just tr- trusting myself with things, you know. So, but,
1: okay, going back to that play with Kevin King, 100% that's – on Mike Pettin, they were playing man coverage with no help over the top. It was that, that was just a stupid coverage to be in, in that, that point in time in the game, in that situation on where they were at in the field. It makes no sense why Pettin would have been in that type of scheme and coverage. Now on the flip side, if you are Kevin King, yeah, Scotty Miller definitely burned your ass and you need to know that no one gets behind you in any type of situation like that, just because it was the end of the quarter and there wasn't really a shot for them to really do anything outside of that one huge play. So, again, it's a huge thing that that goes on pet and shoulders, but there's a little bit of responsibility for Kevin King.
2: Yes, and I I, I want to touch on his overall press conference and how he sounds, but this is what he said, the lessons that he learned from that NFC Championship loss to the Bucks were.
4: Right. Um, I would say... Hmm. Really, just trusting myself. You know, trusting myself. There was like very little intricate things that happened that I'm not even going to speak about. Um, but it's kind of like, ah, not you knew it. You, you know, little things like that. It's like, ah, like, regardless of what else going on, it's like you put the work in, you put the time in, you know. You know what I'm saying? Certain things is just like, you know, as a player out there, you know. You know what's going to happen. You know, just in terms of like, you know, just knowing football, knowing situations, knowing, um, you know, person that we, we go through all that stuff. You know, and it's it just it's little things that, you know, that I should trust in myself more. You know, and so that's just that's 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 a life lesson. You know, just uh, being being able to trust myself, trust.
1: And I know a lot of people, especially Packer fans, haven't been the biggest Kevin King fans because everyone was all in Ben on them drafting T.J. Watt. And then, obviously, Ted Thompson traded back, ended up picking up an extra draft pick, which turned into being um, not only did they pass on Watt, but they they selected Kevin King later, and then they obviously uh, grabbed Vince Beagle, another Wisconsin product. But, obviously, Vince Beagle didn't really pan out for the Packers, though he's been a, a nice rotational player elsewhere. And Kevin King, who... I mean, for the most part last year, you can't be upset with his performance. You can be upset for that one play, but overall, Kevin King when healthy has been a decent corner for them, especially opposite of Jair Alexander, who's one of the best in the league. I mean, Kevin King just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Going into last season, he was only healthy for like 60% of the games career-wise. And, and that's the thing that I like about Goody had the balls to go corner. In the first round this this year, and they signed Kevin King. I, I mean, a lot of it's a bad taste in your mouth from that forty uh that Tampa Bay play, especially when you had, you gave up a forty five plus yard pass for a touchdown. It's it's a bad taste. It, it, it's not a good look to end the season on. But Kevin King overall did not play bad. He was a serviceable corner and a solid number two for the Packers. And getting him on a one year while going out and getting a talented fast. Um, corner in the first round, I mean, the the Green Bay Packers, if if you can get Stokes to be that number two corner, and all of a sudden, Kevin King, who is a serviceable two, is now your three, you're in real business, and you got three solid, solid corners.
2: 100%, and I, I think the point you make about the one-year deal is, is good, because Kevin King has been a good corner, and... Moving forward, I am totally confident in him playing and being that number two. And then worst case is Eric Stokes steps up and he's even better as a number two. I'm happy with where they are. But what I wanted to touch on was that press conference because he sounded like he obviously sounded very nonchalant and the NFC championship was a long time ago, but he sounded confident and he, and he sounded like, yes there was mistakes made in that game by him, by the coaching overall, just not doing what they needed to do to shut down Tom Brady. And he like, he sounds like he has moved forward from it because when that happens to uh, uh, some young players, I I assume it's not something that's easily shaken off, especially when you get asked about it. But like he, he does sound confident that he is only improving and has only gotten better. And for a cornerback, All you need is confidence because you get, you lose so much at that position and, and all like, like they say, corners are just crazy people because they are so like blindly confident in their ability. Even when they lose, they know they can go the next play and, and make a good play.
1: Well, I think one of the reasons why he might have a little bit more confidence than what a player in that situation would have is because Mike Patton's gone. That is also true. And I think a lot of people know that the coverage that they were running there did not help Kevin King one bit. And I think Mike Pettin shielded and took a lot of that blame, and now he's gone. So Kevin King obviously was still around. He he understands that the Packers at least somewhat appreciate him to bring him back, or else he would have probably signed elsewhere. But uh, I think that, that little bit of having Mike Pettin gone... Does do something for Kevin King's. Well, does something for
2: the whole team.